Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and and talk talk about about it. Thank you so much for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. Be sure to give us five stars and review on the, you know, all the... All the this po- sh- shit, yeah. All the podcast stores that exist. Um, I've I've been seeing some more. You know, I checked out that Spotify Wrapped, the end of mm. year Wrapped. You ever seen one of those for our? Podcast? I sort of. Oh, not for. Wait, the wait. They show it specific to us. Well, yeah. Everyone gets their own personalized. Like you know, here's how many people listen, oh. and here's w- what countries they're from, and here's their address, and here's a picture of their pussy, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um. And yeah, there was like, I don't know, there's a few hundred people who were like, were the, their number one podcast. Wow. I like it. Well, we make a lot of them. So stands to reason that somebody's listening. Yeah. I I mean, that's a good point. So we have been trying to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. If you make a lot of something, then eventually the, the view count will go up because it might be the same person. Like if you make a million episodes, you'll have yeah. a million downloads probably if one yeah, person if it's listens. just one guy. That's right. But that's okay because that one guy loves you mm-hmm. and he'll probably shoot you out of love. Have you ever had a celebrity you've wanted to murder, Vince, because you <laughs> love them so much? <laughs> no, I can't say as I have. Yeah. I think I have. Well, let's move on. Um <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, today we're going to be talking about from season four of The Wire, episode 13, the season finale, final grades. And our guest today, you know this guy from the wonderful podcast, Guys. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, Murder Brian is here. I'm tough, Brian. That's When people call me Murder Brian, that means I'm tough in punk rock. When oh, people hell yeah. call me by my Fuck real yeah. ma- name, I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, easy going oh okay so you're actually chill yeah i'm this is this is uh uh this is tough guy though this is murder brian oh you're gonna be you're gonna be murder brian he's an edgy tough guy yep okay show about murder so yeah a lot of it actually of this show is about murder i would say like a good percentage is about murder and then an even larger percentage is about um how the irish are a plague (laughs) amongst the nation not just america but a plague on the earth is that yeah. how you feel about Irish people, Brian? Sure, yeah. That's okay. I think I might have Irish person in me. At some, yeah, same. Maybe. I, I don't I actually think... know what I am. So, <laughs> Oh, you haven't gotten one of those genetic tests that are perfectly safe and are good? No, no. I actually, I don't like, I don't, I'm not giving it. Is it spit that you give them? I don't know. I've never done They'd it before. You have to take 14 uh, hairs from your head the, and yeah, body. I saw something about that. 14, yeah. Or <laughs> 14 hairs and 88 vials of spit. Yeah. Uh, those numbers are completely arbitrary. Don't look into them. 14 uh, hairs from your head and then 14 body hairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, the part that was kind of like, what if you don't have one of the one of the two of those yeah 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 what, what if, if you, you have you alopecia have... like that of that vikings quarterback good luck getting any dna off him yeah you'll never know what his weird ass has um yeah no i mean i don't mean to call people with alopecia weird i don't want to get 
Yeah, you're gonna get Chris slapped. <laughs> Canceled. That's a cancellation right there. Yeah, and then that I'm was... in trouble for being here while it happens and not calling it out. Now you do a podcast of uh about guys, different types of guys. Oh yeah. Did you do a podcast about the the type of guy who was um was like, yeah, alopecia is um. Is like if someone does an alopecia joke, they deserve to be slapped. Because I thought that was my favorite type of guy at that moment. I haven't, I haven't hit that quite yet. I kind of try to do little broader types of guys so that they're easy to research. (laughs) You can't just make up a guy and then go find him. (laughs) People ask me all the time, like, when are you going to do this insanely, like, something that they came up with? And it's like you don't understand. You have to be able to find the guys to do the show. I think a lot of times people just know one guy and they go like, that's a type of guy. And it's like, no, that's a very specific, that's a person. You, you the know? weirdest one I've done. Well, there's two of them that were like kind of weird, but chive guys was one mm. that like chive, the chive, the What's website. Matt? Don't act like you, you don't oh, know. Oh, the chive. You've You're never been about... on the chive, the website. You've never oh, kept I know the calm chive, and yeah. chived on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, people were kind of like, wow, that's that's really deep. But then like uh It's not. It's not. That's not even I mean, that's just like like that was our bar our bar stool of yesterday, basically. Yeah. It's like a history website now when you go to it. You get <laughs> yeah. to see like all the guys be like, You're so bad. <laughs> yeah, I love a website that has uh fails from twenty thirteen. You're like, Yeah. Or or just like the fact that like there is a non-zero amount of people that go there to look at women's tits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. you go to the chive for that? That's like the website. And then also we did one called Real Ale Guys that are mm. a British type of guy that drink mm. a really gross kind of beer. Oh, nice. Is that, that like that just, was, just the kind of that's like room temperature? Just the like, just the pump keg? Is that what yes. Oh my God, you know about them. I know, yeah, I know too much about them. <laughs> I beer, had to but... learn about them, but like <laughs> when I did the episode, people were like, wait, those guys are they they drink bad beer? And I was like, that's what it feels like to me. I'm not a I'm not a drinker. So but yeah, it's a keg that they don't have any carbonation to and they serve it warm and they oh. claim that it tastes better than beer with carbonation but i mean that- it's not warm it's like in a it's in like a beer cellar it's just not it's just like it's natural refrigeration basically and they mm. claim that it's it's not they claim that the only reason it tastes bad is because nobody ever orders it so by the time <laughs> you get to it the, the beer's bad <laughs> Yeah, it's never tasted good because no one's ever ordered it on time. I like that. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because hey. that's the thing with alcoholic products is they're, you're supposed they're to have always, them fresh. They're not they're meant to age. They're always going bad. They're not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the older they get. That's why I always make sure I get the freshest wine, you know? Yeah. 2013 or 2023 or nothing. That's what I say. That's the same know? way with me and uh, Pappy Van Winkle bourbon. Mm-hmm. I only mm-hmm. drink that and yeah. I only drink it from this year. Tell me what Pappy Van Winkle is. The most expensive bourbon. I also did Bourbon Guys episodes. So basically, I learn about a bunch of guys, and then I know really weird knowledge about... And you become that kind of guy. I mean, people say that, but I don't believe that. I just... Bourbon Guys, the the highest priced... Because what I did on the episode was I found out the most expensive bourbon uh-huh. uh, on the secondary market, which is Pappy Van Winkle, which uh-huh. is like uh, th- a thousand 
or two thousand dollars or some shit. I don't remember. Jesus. But like, so then what I did was I went and searched bad reviews of it because I thought it was so funny to think of a guy paying like all this money for this thing and then getting it being like, it kind of tastes like shit. <laughs> or just being like, it tasted good, but I accidentally hit a family with my car. Oh, well, believe me. It tasted me. great, but the server was very rude to me mm-hmm. and I will never come back to this whiskey bar. So for- on caskers.com, you can get Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve 15-year-old bourbon for 2500 25 dollars a bottle fuck me and that's like the kind of going rate for it it's like the most the pappy van winkle yeah. is the highest i mean one. it became a trend like basically after yeah. after the distillery hit was shut down so there was very little of it now it's since been bought by buffalo trace who i believe is like making new versions wow. of it but the so. most the thing i heard was that Basically, it was a family and they go to a distillery where there's a bunch of barrels and they have a guy that goes there and he tastes a little bit out of a bunch of barrels. And then he's like, that barrel's Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> and that's how there's not a special recipe or anything. No, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of literally how all, a guy saying yeah. that's Pop, Pappy Van Winkle. And people are like, I got to have that. I'll pay three thousand. I mean, that's kind of how all bourbon works like they make the same juice goes in like a bunch of different labels it's just some guy deciding that like this flavor uh suits this label and uh like because they all all the barrels taste slightly different and then they mix them to try to get a consistent product anyway it's very fascinating but you know what matt what do (laughs) we say we're not here to talk about uh happy van winkles to talk about bung holes or bung sippers uh no we're we're here to to talk about The Wire That's on right. the world's only The Wire podcast. And we, of course, cannot start this podcast about The Wire um, without... Well, first, Brian, do you like The Wire? Uh, you know, I watched it when it was out and then never watched it again. Watching this episode was really wild because I was like, who's that guy? What's that guy talking about? Who's, <laughs> who are these? I didn't like recognize anybody. So Good. basically the way that I watched it was I had Wikipedia open and I would search, uh, who's the kid that's getting adopted? <laughs> yeah. who's, who's the guy Bunny was talking to? Yeah, yeah. Was, who he are was these people? Their, yeah. Yeah. Sick. I have what I call name blindness. Oh, yeah. Which well, my family says is a huge lie. But it's just that like I can meet you and look at your face and have be told your name and I would it's same. if I met you a week later, I'd have to do no. the same thing. Like I would never remember uh, you. I have I have that too. I just choose I just choose to uh I also have like face blindness a little bit too. I mm-hmm. just kind of uh if I see someone and they kind of look like they're, they have a recognition. I just go, hey, friend. Yeah. <laughs> you do the thing like, because I, when I watch a movie or something with my yeah. wife, she'll be like, no, I, oh, man, Jim is so funny on this show. And I'd be like, who's, which one's that? Guy? Like, I don't know <laughs> anybody. She's name. referencing a show that you saw once, <laughs> like seven years ago. His I don't character know. Name. Anybody's name in any of the shows that, except for like Walter White. Oh, there we yeah. go. And, like, I know. Some of the main characters of uh, Breaking Bad because they're like, it's a compact cast. But when you get to The Wire or The Sopranos or like any of these shows with like these huge casts, it's like I have no chance in hell of remembering. And I could see a movie 
Like I, I could see a movie and then see the sequel and not know who anybody is. The there was there was time like it sounds when I like would, dementia. I'm gonna be it honest. Is, it's you. really it's yeah. really bad. I think it's I I wonder if I'm just too stupid to like uh, uh, retain anything. I think you just don't <laughs> get, give there a shit, which is yeah, I think and that's and that's the correct way to do it. Like there is a yeah. type of guy who cares deeply about like because every once in a while. I would write a review and you know, like you'd have to, I'd have to reference the character and every once in a while you don't double check on an IMDB. I just write like Kevin and they said it once in the show and it turns out his name is like Kyle. And then there's someone in the, in the comments telling me I'm an idiot. Did I even watch the movie? Like, do you have access to Google? It's like, no, I didn't retain the information because it wasn't important and it doesn't matter. Shut the fuck up. This is the, this is the uh, rule of guys for, the guys podcast so Mm -hmm. we're pretty smart we've done like 43 episodes of it so far it is okay to be several types of guys the problem is when you're one type of guy yes yeah that's how you turn weird i also think that just the entire advertising and media apparatus of the last 50 years has been like has been it's been their mission to turn people into one type of guy oh and mm. and like the the younger you are like the more you've internalized that like drive to be only one type of person and to make like standing a certain thing like your entire personality and it's uh it's very terrifying yeah yeah but this is not a show um about you know being multiple types of guys is it i don't know no this is a show about the wire and we cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song when you Pod. Pod. podcast podcast School children. Season four. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. Once again, we're talking about from season four of The Wire, episode 13, Final Grades. This is the season finale of the penultimate season of The Wire. Um, what a journey. Remember when we found out what penultimate meant? That was cool. Yeah, I feel like that was recent, but I love that word now Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, it's now I have a word for second to last. Um, Yeah, so we're very excited about it. But Vince, what happened on this episode? What are you counting? I was counting the syllables to between second to last and penultimate to see if one was shorter, but I'm pretty sure they're the same. Penultimate, second to last. Yeah, same exact syllables. But one makes you sound smarter. Yeah, that's right. Hell yeah. So what happened? Tell me the synopsis real quick. Break us off a little piece of it, dog. Uh, Yeah, I just came up with this synopsis myself. But uh, this episode is one in which uh, the cops have all learned to care, but mm. the system makes it so it doesn't matter. Damn. That's true. Yeah. That's what this episode's about. Yep. Yep. And what was happening at the time that this episode came out? December 10th, 2006. What was happening? That's right. We can't evaluate art uh divorce from its cultural context we got to put some of that cultural context back in and we like to do that with a little segment that we like to call the back in the day machine it's a bad time for newspapers the news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline there ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale son 
Hell That's yeah. right. We're going all the way back to December 10th, 2006. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the things that were happening. Uh, Troy Smith of the Ohio State Buckeyes just won the Heisman Trophy. Hey, so, hey. Uh, I, remember, I remember him fondly as uh, a really good quarterback for two 49ers games. And then, oh. and then he was bad again. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, it's okay. he, he went on to play in Montreal. He probably had a fun time, it seems like. Um, Montreal. They, yeah. they play football in Montreal? Yeah, Canadian football. Is it like soccer? there's like three downs and the field there's is wider and <laughs> it's very weird. Like there's a moose. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. The, there's the, gravy everywhere. For the no yards reason. are all metric. It's you know it's whole thing. I hate it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very very Canadian. Um, other news: um, Augusto Pinochet had just died. Oh no! R.I.P. Yeah, Poor boy. That's right. Uh, General Pinochet led a four-man junta in the 1973 military revolt that brought him to power. Mm-hmm. President Allende, a democratically elected socialist, was found dead after shooting himself during an assault on the presidential palace in Santiago. Uh, General Damn. Pinochet soon made it clear that he had little he had little use for political parties, banning all of them, and he also dissolved Congress and scrapped the, con- the Constitution. Yeah. In a 1973 news conference, he asserted that Chile would require, quote, an authoritarian government that has the capacity to act decisively. Cool. Um, <laughs> Sick. And then the little coda to that, you know, just tying it into current events. Oh. Uh, you'll never believe this. Kissinger played a key role in the efforts to do everything in the United States' power to undermine and weaken the government of Salvador Allende. Oh, Kissinger. Rip then, in peace, Kissinger, too. He yeah. what? Rip in peace, Kissinger too. He just died recently. If you didn't hear, yeah, all of our homies are dead. (laughs) I know. know. Fuck. Uh, Kissinger then used his sway to prop up the dictatorship of Pinochet. Uh, uh, Kissinger long alleged that he wasn't aware of the human rights abuses that were committed in the region, but records show that this wasn't the case. How could I know? I was too busy (laughs) killing other people. That's how he talks. Kissinger was seemingly unaffected by tales of suffering at the hands of military officers, even though his own family arrived in the U.S. as refugees who had had to flee Nazi Germany. By the end of 1976, State Department aides were telling Henry Kissinger, a Jew, that Jews were being targeted in Argentina. And Kissinger just didn't do anything. He just said, so what? I'm bad. (laughs) What do I have to do to convince you of this? I, my favorite quote from him is like, if I wasn't born a Jew, I would be an anti-Semite. <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> I mean, like, God damn. Isn't that the most Jewish thing to say, though? I mean, in a way, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it's just like, if only I didn't have this damn disability. <laughs> when he comes raw, he looks like Krang, like the <laughs> most looks like Krang human that's ever lived. Yeah. My favorite like brand of Kissinger video was uh, end of life Kissinger, where he would just be accosted in a parking lot and he would just someone would be rolling him and it was just like a random person would just abuse him it was wonderful yeah that's the only reason i'm sad he's dead is he can no longer be abused in a parking lot (laughs) yeah that is a good point yeah because i mean you know if he's gonna live to 100 that means you know he kind of won the lottery of life here you know gets to kill like three million people and gets to live so i would rather he lived forever he lived uh, long enough to have himself become the villain. Exactly. Which was like 30 years. Yeah, when he was like 30. 
Um, other important news. Uh, mm. They uncovered a nude picture of Tony Blair's wife. Sick. Do you have the Blair. link? <laughs> if you yeah, saw the picture very... I'm looking at right now, you would. Uh, yeah. I wish I could show you. Can I share my screen? Hold on. Hold on. I, I can find it. Oh, Tony no. You have to log into that. I'm a Blair's probably, so naked probably... wife. Uh for almost a quarter of a century, it has remained shut away in the storeroom of a London gallery. The half-finished, blurred image has, however, been the subject of continued speculation in the art world. Now the Sunday Telegraph can reveal, the picture is Cherie Blair, the Prime Minister's wife, posed naked for the work, striding nude, blue dress, for the figurative artist Ewan Uglo when she was an unknown 24-year-old trainee barrister called Cherie Booth. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The wife of the future prime minister agreed to sit for Uglo after she was introduced to him by Derry Irvine, the future Lord Chancellor. This is so British. Derry Irvine, the future Lord <laughs> Chancellor of the realm in all the seven kingdoms, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Blair, who attended the artist's memorial service and, is, service and is believed to have named her oldest son after him, oof, only oh. confirmed that she had sat for Uglo shortly after his death. Before that, her office had repeatedly denied that she had ever been a life model. Oh, scandal. Damn. I, you know, I'm, I'm having some trouble finding the picture. And at this point, I don't care anymore because you guys are telling me it's not hot. No, not. I would say no. Okay. All right. So, all right. Naked, naked her. What else happened? Yeah. Um. So we got two stories. You can choose one. Um, mm, well, I'll just, I, we could just give you the brief rundown. Uh, Kushner companies has just paid $1.8 billion for their stupid building. This um, is Jared. Uh, Jared's dad, right? Yep. Jared's company. Yeah. The second most evil Jared. <laughs> <laughs> who's the first? You I know think, who's the first. Know, the subway Jared, dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're like, oh, he's not. Well, that I mean, bad. you can flip them. You can because one of them have more power, all that. But yeah, I'm gonna, true. I'm going Jared from Subway number one, Jared Kushner number two. Okay. That's just my. I think opinion. that's. I think it's a fair ranking, um, but only because we don't know the skeletons in the Kushner closet. Mm-hmm. At least not the. We know a few of them. I think little baby skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's one story. Uh, you know, that's all you need to know about that one. They bought a big stupid building. Uh, they were trying to offload it. They spent, I don't know, what, a decade trying to offload that stupid building? Had to get in bed with the Saudis and everybody else. Anyway, mm. uh, other story from the Post. Condos coup, a Trump shaker. Donald Jr. Boated off, booted off board at dad's building. God, the headline Whoops. writers. Yeah. Having uh, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> They're having more fun than all of us. Yeah. Uh, you're fired, Donald Trump Jr. The 28-year-old heir apparent to the Trump real estate empire has been ousted from his own condo board in a coup d'etat, during which content- tenants alleged arrogant and belligerent behavior and dubious management practices by the board. Sounds right. Trump Jr. was blindsided at a meeting on November 8th when one angry resident wielding 150 proxy voters votes replaced the entire seven member board at 220 riverside boulevard oh sick <laughs> i like that although you the people who are living there are probably assholes too is the problem mm-hmm. they i mean first of all like if you're 28 years old your neighbors don't like you that's just like the nature of being 28 yeah. years old if you're 28 years old and you have power <laughs> they like you even less you know mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God, if I had power when I was 28. Dude, I would, oh would have been God. crazy. 
I think that, that God did us all a favor by making us never powerful. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously, uh, <laughs> Trump Jr. called the election possibly fraudulent and <laughs> oh, told uh. the, told the Post he plans to battle back against the resident Eugenia K. I don't like what happened. Trump Jr. said what K did was very underhanded. <laughs> <laughs> she quote spun a tale about our purported mismanagement then sought out those tenants she thought would side with her he said once they mm-hmm. did she asked them to sign a ballot containing the names of six additional board candidates uh i don't know it sounds kind of sick i, I yeah. i'm kind of into this lady yeah, Most- it was okay to be like oh you know trump is funny at that like that was yeah. way early on it where we were even like i wish we could watch a the apprentice again and still feel good about it (laughs) i sort of enjoyed that show (laughs) they should try to rerun it and see the kind of uh see the ratings it would get if they were just like yeah we're gonna do a a nostalgic viewing of the apprentice yeah they should put it in theaters (laughs) just just see how the ticket sales i'd love to see that i would i'd watch it let's be real uh, Kay, wife of filmmaker Tony Kay, was elected president of the board in the vote. She declined to comment. Damn. Tony Kay? Like, a, oh, wait, never mind. That's I was thinking different. of Tony Scott, you know, but I, I can't remember which one Tony Kay is. There is a Tony Kay from our podcast who was on the Yelp. He was a character on the Yelp Guys podcast, which uh, <laughs> he he would say that he would say this. And he'd be like, fire. Uh, He'd say delicious food, uh, great service, one star rock and roll music, too loud. (laughs) (laughs) Or he'd be like, I love the place. It looked really good. The food was really great. And I would love to give it more than one star. But the water's too cold. The water was too cold. And (laughs) I hope it goes out of business. He hates cold water so much. That is such a specific. (laughs) That's a. that's a magical type of guy. Cold water and hot and loud rock and roll. This guy yeah. is just what a- is this hell? <laughs> <laughs> two things that I mean, a lot of people actually like. Yeah, no, two great things. <laughs> Not me. I like warm water and quiet rock and roll. No, he mm-hmm. he he says they should have bland music. Is I that's mean, what he keeps listen, saying. If you're gonna have bland music, just don't have music. I say. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, yeah. have a room tone just playing. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that, I feel like that's been okay. That's so been that's the remember when machine. That's what happened at the time the episode came out. Um, so now we understand this episode of The Wire and uh, what they were going through. <clears throat> so uh, this week's uh, Balmer B story, a little bit. I'll play some for you. Um, it is about uh, my favorite arc in this episode, and that is the death of Bodie Broadus. Are you going to play a little bit of last week? I didn't get to hear. I didn't get to hear the Nookie one. Oh, you never got to hear Nookie. Maybe no. I'll play a little bit of that too. Okay, yeah, um, assume both. I mean, l- well, I'll start first with this. This is uh, this is today's uh, the Bomber B story. Bodie Broadus' death to the tune of Bad Day. Mm. McNulty and he share a sandwich But Marla's people think he's a snitch And they give the hit to Michael So they get it boating They took his ass down He's shooting towards cars Wish he had turned around He said he won't go Who knows he's gonna die He's in the shadows And who runs on by He got it boating He pops his 
They got it, Bodie. Mm. You get it. I got it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's sort of rhymes and stuff. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. I love it. So, yeah, that's right. Because you didn't actually hear um, the nookie yeah i actually uh, suggested the song because yes you, you did know, you fucked my said, life up i said like a gump reminds me of the song nookie yeah yeah and so i mean I, I i i'll i'll find it right now because i do think that it is it's only fair that you hear it i should be um, allowed to react live that's all yeah no of course listen and if you don't react live then um our our you know listeners get mad mm-hmm. uh so here we go uh, I have to drop the Nookie Balmer B right into here. I wonder, it might take a second for it to, too large, cannot, um, can't. <laughs> well, Vince, you can, you can hear that oh, all right. at I the hear. end of last week's episode. You denied me this, but okay. I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, the lyrics were, I, I did it all for the Dookie. Um, oh. all right. So let's get into this episode uh you know a lot of things happen this is a season finale you know of what i would say like genuinely the best season of television uh ever um i love it vince loves it but vince what did you think of the episode itself yeah i mean i think this is one of the three or four single episodes of the wire that's responsible for it being such a well-remembered show and, you mm. know, considered one of the greatest shows uh, ever. And it's a big part of the reason that we're doing a podcast about it. Uh, yeah. You know, it gave us, you know, David Simon's thesis is that all these institutions are crumbling and uh, all these individuals are varying degrees of like powerless uh, in the face of all these broader forces. But at the same time, like he's a good writer and he knows how to write um, like a happy ending in a very, in a very narrow way that doesn't cheat. And I think, uh, you know, even, even Bodie to some extent got like some form of, of a happy ending, even though he got shot in the head on yeah. the sidewalk. Like he didn't end up in a vacant. He didn't want to live on his knees. He, he no, went he, out, went out he, like a soldier. He went out on his feet and then flat on his, on face. his stomach. Yeah. On his yeah. Face. But, but, um, but yeah, excellent. Uh, excellent. Yeah. It was a great mix of uh, like the worst kid of the four is the one that gets the, <laughs> it's, it's an episode that tells you that there is no justice, but uh, you know, maybe there is some yeah. small justice. Yeah, it's an episode about like, uh, hey, life is pain. Take what you can get. Um, uh, Brian, what did you think of this episode? Uh, it was really confusing, as I said earlier. But <laughs> but it is one of the good episodes. I do wonder. I have like a uh, watching it now mm-hmm. after, you know, following, not following. Literally, I don't follow him. But David Simon online <laughs> uh-huh. makes you look at like the show. For some reason, like a little different that he's in the back doing as bad, like calling people shit gibbons. 
and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny in light of like the the subtle dead deadwood dig like in the show oh, yeah. because because like yes. he, he sort of he sort of rips on deadwood in the exact way that i as like someone who still hasn't watched the entirety of deadwood like that is kind of my knee-jerk reaction to deadwood is like oh i guess it's funny because the guy says cocksucker God, like I yeah love that show i think i might have liked it more than a wire yeah it is i recently saw it I, like i forced myself to watch it because i i didn't like it <clears throat> first time i saw it i saw like a couple episodes and i said like this is so theater kid i can't handle it and then i tried it again and ended up fucking loving it but yeah there's this dig in the middle of this episode where they just are making fun of deadwood and <laughs> I, I have a I, I have a clip okay. of it i won't re i won't relive it for you <laughs> they called him cocksucker. <laughs> you know, so I, I I don't know if you guys have read this, but I I read the uh, the oral history of HBO. Oh no, I haven't but, read that yet. I'm halfway the, through the oral history of The Wire, but go ahead. I'm yeah, I'm halfway through the oral history of Vince's mom. Oh shit, dude! <laughs> Got your ass. It's, um, it's a big read. <laughs> So I yeah, I the the David Simon stuff was like pretty funny in the book because mm -hmm. he basically every year was like they were like, I think we're going to cancel this show. And then he right. would send one of his letters to them and they'd be like, oh, never mind. We'll keep it going. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I and they, they read pieces of the letters and they were exactly the stuff that you would think he would say would be full of profanity. Yeah. So he's like calling. Listen up, you absolute shit heel. <laughs> this show is about the 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 different cantons of life within Balmer. <laughs> yeah. No, I ass, get the sense of, from uh, everything that I've read about David Simon that he must be really good in the room because yes, a hundred percent. Like he pitched. Like, I mean, he was kind of a nobody. I mean, not a nobody. Like he had. Uh, he had a homicide stuff, but his uh, rabbi was Tom Fantana. And I think that helped him out. Not literal rabbi, but like the wire version of rabbi. Right. Um, you know, like the, the guy who like, uh, spoke up for him, who helped him, like, I think get his first jobs on TV were Tom Fantana, the guy who created Oz. So, and I think some other cop show. I mean, Copper. like at every, basically at every step of the way, the wire <laughs> was kind of a tough sell. Yeah. Um, but he managed to sell it like every single time. And, uh, I'm glad he did. If this but. was the end, if he stopped selling it this season, then it would be probably considered a perfect show. I know. But there's I know. some stuff in that fifth season that's just like, okay. You know, I, I still love we the are fifth season. very excited still to get it. to it. I still be love the fifth season. Yeah, we are. I we thought are. it was good too. Yes, this is a uh, a podcast that vehemently defends the honor of the fifth season of The Wire and says, hey, wait a minute, this is also good. It's just, uh, they just kind of went for it. That's yeah, all. look, look, the serial, serial killer stuff is goofy. It's awesome. Uh, it's goofy, but also the, the, the all the newspaper stuff was dead on and yeah. like kind of way ahead of where media. He anticipated ahead of its time. so many it, things about the media industry. Yes, it's it saw the writing on the wall for all print media. And I think that is um, I mean, I, for a show that. But it's still like even mm. even aside from print, like in mm. terms of like the types of writers that uh, are the ones that like win the awards and people are like, oh, so good. It's like he nailed that type where it's like they yeah. don't actually 
they tell you exactly what you already knew but uh like make it melodramatic right yeah no it's a the the type of editors at a paper who are like masturbating to tragedy yes that that was like the that's what he showed and i think like this show does that It, it it gives you an insight into the character of these people who um have a good enough pr wing to make you think they're different types of people like cops have a great you know uh copaganda machine that makes you think like oh man cops are just trying to uh, serve and protect and obviously that's not the case they don't even want to do their job and uh you think like you know oh uh, journalists they just want to get to the truth and it's like nah they just want to masturbate to like a sad black guy uh you know and they want to be like society and you know like yeah yeah make it real sad do you know how many like acclaimed independent movies that like the Dickensian aspect uh, is fuck, the describe. <laughs> yeah like that like there's so many acclaimed indies where it's just like oh we found some sad stuff and we like rubbed yeah. your nose in it it's well, what we, got me out yeah. of like watching the because when I was when I worked at the cable company I was always trying to prove to everybody that I was super smart and intelligent and artistic You're like the McNulty of the cable company yeah so I would watch like the middle brow and high brow stuff that that would come out and then at one point i think i saw fast and the furious five and i was like you know what i like this better than yeah all this <laughs> stuff yeah. Yeah. but but yeah there is something like i'm looking right now mm-hmm. at and it's funny i'm looking at cable news guys for an episode i'm doing guys mm. that spend their whole day well i'm learning masturbating to cable news but also nice. the people that watch the news and right. like the people that are like news junkies yeah. they have Frank to be Stallone. some of the biggest rubes <laughs> oh yeah that i yeah. have covered yes. in yes. 43 episodes of guys and like i said i did an mcu guys episode <laughs> about yeah. people who still love those movies <laughs> But it's our Pastafarians. I did a Pastafarian mm. episode, but the most pathetic, it, it's mm-hmm. really strange that like, I love the movies that talk about this high minded ideal of journalism that exists. And then seeing the people who consume a lot of the journalism, right? Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. they're morons, fa- man. I'm fascinated by the local news, like his local news, local TV news is still a thing, but it's like, it's this fascinating <laughs> time capsule and it's like they don't pay the people anything so all the anchors are like 22 but they're cosplaying as like 45 year olds for an audience yeah. that is exclusively over 70 yes, and it's yes. like it's such a funny it's such a weird thing i love it yeah no they 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 cuz they they hire um like uh, little good boys and girls yes. to talk to the olds to tell mm-hmm. them about uh how scary it is outside yeah your most responsible hall monitor right yeah, yeah. <laughs> But they have to make sure that they speak well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that is that's like half the fun is watching uh, especially like uh, local news in any kind of like metropolitan area. Just watching every single person code switching to news guy <laughs> voice. And that is not it's how also, they talk. It's also that that if you look into it, the people who talk about these high minded journalistic ideals, right. generally, when you look into them, uh, the person that wrote it was a journalist. Yeah. At a yeah, time, yeah. Like yes. David Simon. He's like, journalists are all just trying to do the best they can. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, they act like they have all David these, Simon. like uh, the, uh, these, they act like they have the, all these like convoluted, uh, and, uh, complex rules of ethics when it's like every rule of journalism is just like baseline common sense. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, 
Don't lie. Yeah. Don't invent a serial killer. Don't invent yeah, a serial if, killer. If you talk to a guy, he might be lying to you. So check, you know, check. <laughs> yeah, sure don't people. ever suggest that could happen. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about this episode. We open this episode with um, kind of uh, closure on the, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it closure, but uh, the a puke scene. We get a puke scene. At we the get beginning. a puke scene. We get bubbles. Uh, he's turning himself in for him accidentally killing his uh friend and partner um not sexual partner but you know like a guy he was mentoring might have been something sherrod and um he is trying to he's trying to turn himself in and uh and then this happens you know i did i i did i did so just 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 lock me up and be done with it right where'd you get cyanide from if you're saying <laughs> Jurassic Park. Calm down. We'll get something to clean this up. And, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I really like. <laughs> yeah. It is tragic, obviously. And I will say, uh, uh, Andre Royo, beautiful acting job this entire episode. But man, I watching him just. Dilophosaurus vomit on the fattest guy in the room. Very Jurassic Park. I was just captivated by uh I forget the Landsman actor's name for some reason, but um it's like really normal, like John Delaney or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh his profile, like he has the most <laughs> extreme profile. Like just his like a full body shot of him in profile is yeah. Delaney like Williams. The the wildest he has the wildest shape. It's it's crazy. Like No, he's a he's a great big fat person and and I, I think it's like uh you don't see too many great big fat people uh on TV, like like very round, giant bellied guys. But um, there's like a weird like power and elegance to this. No, he's beautiful. And, yeah. He's beautiful. Him being fat is not a that's not me putting him down in any way. Um he is he's disgusting but he has sure. like he has like the willem defoe's face of body shapes somehow mm. where it's just like it's it's somehow grotesque but fascinating and powerful at the same time like I, yeah I would, uh, yeah he's yeah, a like he's a sculpture i yeah. was so excited for the first scene of this this part of the show because i was like i remember this i remember all this stuff the stuff behind it and i was like yeah this is gonna be a, a simple i'll remember everything and then yeah. the very next thing that happens i was like well who's this yeah oh god <laughs> yeah yeah who did he kill what happened <laughs> yeah yeah i remembered the hot shot and i remembered really feeling like uh uh that that bu- I'm feeling bad for bubbles, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is exciting! I'm gonna remember this whole thing. This is gonna be like plugging back in, yeah. in 2010 or whatever when I was watching this." Right. I mean, he's Bubbles' second uh, uh, protege to die, so he's sort of like this is like Hot Shots Part Two, really. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's good. Wow. Um, but yeah, no. And uh, later in that scene, um, after Jay Landsman cleans himself up, they go back into the holding cell and he, and Bubbles uh, has tried like this, to hang himself. I feel like this is the most maybe like the hardest to believe character arc that uh, what do that you mean? Bubbles puked on Landsman, but managed to like spark his empathy in the process. Yeah, there's okay. So uh, one I, thing I, I want to I, I say feel like about they pulled this it episode, off, but it was you know it's a, that's a big swing there. 
I forgot to say you were you were complimenting this episode early on and said this is why people remember it and I do think it's a good episode. I will say there are aspects of this episode that are um kind of uh cliche in a way that the wire usually isn't. There's certain lines, there's certain like hand holding, there's certain like uh yeah. like info dumps or exposition mm-hmm. dumps or not even so much exposition but like thematic like people saying McNulty, the theme. McNulty having to uh, reiterate that Bodie is indeed talking about the pawns when he says those little ass characters yes. on the chess piece. Like you're I, like, okay, we we know what he was talking about. Yes, yeah. and it's also the corniest metaphor of any uh, metaphor is chess pieces. Yeah, yeah, and and there's just a few lines th- that are weirdly cliche or like are holding your hand. I have like a little montage of a few of them. Yeah, I suppose. They always disappoint. We know. When do this shit change? <laughs> Why would you ask this? <laughs> I went to school with you. Got a decent education now that I think on it. Why would you say that in the middle of all those dead this people? This was I. But maybe it's time. Okay, yeah, I'm but... still learning. Nah, you're gonna be fine. Mm. I mean, listen, I get he's mad. And that was a powerful but at this scene. But at the same time, I'm just like, would he... It just felt weirdly cliche. There were moments. I mean, of this- the second most overused metaphor behind chess is someone being mad at a mirror because uh, they don't like themselves. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I wish so- he would have slapped the mirror harder. I thought I for some reason I've seen something where they knocked the mirror. off. I was going to say, I, I thought like, I remembered oh. him pulling the rearview mirror off of the car and he didn't. I was like, I thought no, he didn't want to get pulled, pulled, pulled over for yeah. not having one. Right. Yeah. You know, that'd be embarrassing trouble. as a yeah. cop. Yeah. Especially as a cop. They would goof <laughs> on you at the roll call the next oh, day. Oh, yeah. He would never live that down. <laughs> but yeah, no, I there are, you know, moments in this where for sure there uh, are a little cliche. For example, you talked about the landsman scene uh i mean it is it's the conclusion episode that's that's the part of the essay where you restate the thesis a little bit that's true that's true and i I, listen i'm okay with it i still loved this episode um and i kind of felt like when jay throws him back decides not to uh charge him um it's like it's a little bit is this the christmas episode Mm -hmm. of the wire uh because it It is kind of is december 10th yeah, and and there's like at one point they're back in the governor's office. Carcetti is uh, waiting to see the governor, and there's a giant Christmas tree in the background. There's kind of like uh, for at least Jay's scene where he's like, "Fuck the stats," you know. He says that for the first time, fucking ever. Um, like there's a little bit of like the Grinch's heart grew three t- <laughs> sure. sizes that day. But I know? feel like the, you know the brilliance of the wire is they do give you just enough that you could maybe accept that like the yeah the fact that uh they sort of set it up by like they've just dropped a quote-unquote red ball in landsman's lap where right and carcetti's basically said hey the stats don't matter in this case and i could see landsman being like all right well yeah fuck it then uh, yeah the I'm stats gonna... don't matter i'm gonna do something nice yeah although at the same time this guy did just try to kill himself and he's like begging him <laughs> and he to lock him you. up and <laughs> yeah. puked on you and he's just like no put him back on the street there's part of <laughs> yeah, me that's like yeah. maybe this is like just normal cop cruelty. yeah just him being bad at being a cop yeah yeah um okay so 
Oh my God. Hey, don't forget about me. Uh, <laughs> just chiming in one to say that Landsman is built like a street fighter character. Like, you yes. know, there's some of them where he's like a power street fighter. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and also we should take a break for ads. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, you know, it takes money to make money or something. I don't know. Uh, so please stick around and listen to these ads. And we, of course, will be right back. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, <laughs> because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, you helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and, you you know, you can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So, yes, please come. Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. And we are back. Okay. He, he, he really is. Like, I agree with Who's... Brent. Like, Landsman is like Balrog meets E Honda. Like, yes, if Balrog and E Honda had a, had a, like, a powerful, a powerful, stocky, big bellied baby. He's an anime villain. I forget mm. what Dan from the internet called him some Japanese word that means, like, fat, disgusting. Um, like, and it's like the, a type of villain in anime where they're like, this guy, you know, he's bad because he's the most disgusting. He's got food all over, over his face and he's fat and you know, he's going to do like some sort of sexual crime, sexual crime. Yes. Um, uh, I wish I knew I could remember. That's what, what the, Jared from Subway did. He tried to trick say. us. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jared from Subway was kind of, was kind of like a anime villain. Um, except for. Well, no, except for nothing. Um, okay, so uh, just ending Bubbles storyline. It ends with him uh, being in kind of like the I don't know the <clears throat> like the psych ward, I guess, or uh, the state run or city run rehab facility, and uh, and Steve Earle comes up and always good have, to see Steve Earle. It's great to see him. They I've have had a nice hug and a cry. I've had friends tell me what the uh, what the hospital, <clears throat> the state hospital thing they put you in after you attempt suicide is like, and who oh boy, uh, it's not good. It does not sound fun. It sounds really, really, really bad. Like if you mm. weren't suicidal yeah, but the people before, who are saying that though, they're already <laughs> yeah, they're Debbie Downers. <laughs> they're Debbie Downers anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so um, we've got uh, a few great storylines to choose from. We're wrapping up a bunch of shit. Um, I mean, I, so that so that we go from the the fake landsman, the big fat guy, to the real landsman, 
uh, yeah. who is the patrol captain who's going to explain. I really hope he pulled this monologue where he's explaining. You didn't. You didn't. Oh, I'm it's sorry, like dog. the most extended monologue from the real landsman just to give you like the fullest flavor of that bone chilling Baltimore accent. Mm-hmm. And you just want it to go on and go and go on because I mean, I uh, listen, listen, dog. I can try to see what would happen if I put the whole episode in here. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it was 17. Oh, all that. Is that's it. the real landsman. Yeah. That's the real Joe no idea. Yeah, that's that's he he auditioned for the part, but they didn't give it to him because they're like, nah, you're not Jay Landsman. You know, he has the best accent ever. Oh, just just pure Balmer. Okay, so here we go. What they say, this is police work. And I'm asking if you got to give it a second. All right, listen up, you much. This is complicated. I mean, it isn't complicated if you went to college or. College. I don't know. Your mother's actually stopped drinking for a minute while he was pregnant. But for Balmer City Police, this is complicated. Anyway, this right here is for the major crimes, homicide investigation, into the bodies being found in the vacant houses here in the Western. Hell Command me. now wants all the districts to check every vacant in the city. That means you will need to go door to door to every door vacant to house door. in your door post to door. what was used to board it up. I can do this. Most will have the Phillips head screws that HCD uses, like this here on the flyer. His his but if you accent. See the house has been boarded up with nail gun nails, like these shown here. Board board is shown the you can enter the house, <laughs> but if you find the body, do not disturb the crime Don't scene. Do, <laughs> do not disturb. It's like someone skiing on slushy snow. Like he just, he slides (laughs) through all of the consonants and then he just goes off of this big jump on every vowel. (laughs) (laughs) That that accent and seal the African accent. Yes. yes. I can only say that seal the African. Yes. They're both um, like they're uncanny rever- valley accents. They're yeah. the opposite. Like, cause like South African is is awful because it's like someone just like falling into a room full of porcupines. It's just like constant, <laughs> like everything is prickly and harsh. And this one is seriously just someone going off ski jumps and sliding through every consonant. Yeah, no, one is more like you know. One is more zanned out, like zanny barred out. <laughs> yeah. Like you, when you like, uh, yeah, when you're just, you're, all your consonants are smooth like that, um, you're, you're on drugs. But yeah, no, uh, I, what I love about that scene is he gives the police a little scavenger hunt for dead <laughs> bodies. And I, I felt like that was the first time I'd ever seen like police on the show being assigned something that. I believed they could actually do. It's like, you're going to go up to the doors of any boarded up house and look for this very specific nail. And like, honestly, it's like a child could do this, but they're cops and you know, they get paid to do this. <laughs> it was, uh, it was nice. It was nice to see them, you know, cause you keep uh, the it, class busy with some puzzles. They're not going to shoot spit. That's exactly right. It's like press Belusky giving everyone uh, some dice, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're going to learn a little bit about detective work and that they have to match the shapes and patterns. <laughs> um, I would but, never be able to tell the difference between the screws <laughs> and the I can't even like, I, whenever I see like 
a missing persons thing. Yeah. I'm like, if I saw that person, I would have no idea. Like I'll walk by this, I'll look at it and I'm not going to. And it's the same thing with the, I'd be, I mean, I'd probably lie and say, no, no, I didn't see any of them while I was out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They give you a picture of the nail and you're like, I still can't do this. I can't do it. Go sit at like a fucking get Chappie's pit beef or something mm, there yeah. and oh, yeah. just say Sounds you didn't so see good. any. There wasn't none on my walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, uh, it was a nice scavenger hunt because they're like, you know, if you get it right, you get a little treat in the middle, which is like a dead body that's yeah. been slowly decaying and, and lie and, um, lime uh but yeah so uh the major crimes unit is finally you know done this thing we've been waiting for this entire fucking season which is open up those vacants and get the bodies out and um for the first time ever herc is needed um like herc at this point has been uh suspended with pay uh pending an investigation of his conduct which could be literally this whole season his conduct has been like so fucked up that it's hard to even process like you don't know why he's (laughs) gonna get fired you just know that he should be yeah and uh he uh, at one point when they finally get him to the they, they're trying it's to get very, him to it's very trumpian you're like what is what is the what is the personality defect that's gonna bring him down is it right the, is yeah. it is it the megalomania is it the right. is it the carelessness is it uh and what's the, gonna be the straw that breaks the camel's yes. back where this system that is does everything in its power to not take cops away from their jobs um like uh what is going to be the thing that changes that and for him it turned out to be his like insane quest to find this camera that he was using as an illegal wiretap and uh you know saying it was a, a confidential informant and uh even in the scene where he's like supposed to be helping them, he still can't stop focusing on some petty bullshit. So like they're looking for where he shot the nail gun, um, you know, because they if they can find that nail, then they can, you know, match it to the nails on the vacants and then they can fucking, you know, they have a case against uh, Snoop and Chris. And uh, even then, he won't stop talking. And here's a <laughs> clip of that. In the right block. Yeah. Put him on the curb right here, more or less. And then Be you cool. fly the nail gun into the asphalt, right where they sat. Yeah, right next to the little broad's leg. So who tells these IID fucks? <laughs> the little broad. He clearly has no idea how important this is. Who the fuck cares? I mean, it's not like they call me stealing or brutalizing motherfuckers, right? Right? Fuck. Is that about right? Yeah. <laughs> like fool, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Can we please keep talking about me and the many reasons I might be fired? Like Herc, by the end of this episode, in the kind of ending montage, you see him um, getting fired as a cop, and he's in front of like a, I don't know what you would call it, like a Supreme tribunal. Court of Cops, a tribunal, a cop mm-hmm. tribunal, and um, you know he's holding his weirdly decorative suit that cops get that they only bring out during funerals or getting (laughs) fired. And, uh, and you can tell that, uh, that was his last day as a cop, which good because he, uh, is responsible for one of the other storylines filled with tragedy. Well, Uh, what, what, 
Randy. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, like the one thing that he did that you can't come back from is he lost the confidence of his fellow cops. Like all before right. this, like he he was bad for society, very bad. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until he like lost the confidence of his bros that uh, it was true. really over over for him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, especially once he like explains what he did wrong. And they are like, oh, okay. So they're just looking to fire you, <laughs> uh, you know, because like him stealing a camera, using it as an illegal wire, wiretap, and then just saying all that, you know, saying it was all from a confidential informant is like for sure bad. But you're like, is that like fire you bad? Yeah, it's hard but to know. Like you're kind of in in his boat. You're like, is that is that bad enough? Is that it, bad? Is that worse than the time I pulled over the uh, the minister and brutalized him and <laughs> ripped through his Bible looking for drugs? <laughs> well, and, I remember that. See, now when yeah. you say something, the whole time I'm like, that I do remember happening. <laughs> yeah. I like Herc for some reason. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's, he's... Every show needs like a really good idiot character. And yeah. like Herc is about as good as it comes. Herc's one of those people, and this is true, I think, probably of a lot of cops, where it's like, if they just weren't cops, if they just didn't have power over people, like the power of life and death, like they'd be a great hang. Yeah. yeah. You like you'd be like I like that guy. He's hilarious. He rem- um, he. You know the guy that plays him. Yeah. Uh, the the that was Don- on the. He's scary as shit on Entourage. Was he it, on Entourage? I'm yeah, he's to- like the scary fucking cousin or whatever that comes into <laughs> town and like won't stop selling drugs and shit. I love that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the type of guy he plays. It's that. It's mobsters. Uh, or it's like. You know, the, I think he played like the head of the policeman's union in uh, in We Own the City. He was played in the a, Irishman. He's in the Irishman oh, as a mobster. He was he's in, in Tulsa King, which is the most banging show oh, on yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. I need to keep watching Tulsa King. I oh watched, my god! Dominic Lombardozzi is the one wire actor that I've like met. Uh, like, well, actually, I take that back. I met uh, Clay Davis, but uh, hell yeah. I interviewed him. But uh, yeah, but I like th- that's the only one that I've met in like a casual setting. Nice. Where he were seems you? he's got a look about him that seems kind of nice. Like, like he's actually a, in real life a nice guy. Oh, for sure, for sure. He's you can. And he's a great he's, actor. Yeah, he's just playing a bad guy. I don't. I don't believe for a second that he's actually bad. Um, when you look like that, there's like a certain type of character that they're going to want you to play. And boy, yeah, does yeah. he play it? He plays like, the shit out of it. There's people you can see, and you can be like, if I met him, he'd be a dick, probably. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm yes. trying to think of one. But uh, oh, there's tons of them. I mean, I feel, I feel like even on this show, like if I met um, Dominic West, the guy who plays McNulty, like I don't think we'd. I don't think we'd hit it off. I not no. because, but because like he's not actually McNulty. He's just some British guy. Oh yeah, I hate. Yeah, that's so weird. This the the amount of British guys on this show. I mean, when yeah. I found out Idris Elba, I know. I mean, the first time you heard him speak with his regular accent, you're like, why is he doing this accent? Yeah, yeah. stop, yeah. stop <laughs> it. The other so, way. There's Idris. a there's a fun anecdote because uh, when Dominic West was. Um, so when Dominic West was auditioning for this, like he sent in a screen test and, uh, like his wife was supposed to be the other character, uh, in the scene, but she couldn't do it. 
right and she kept making him laugh so he just said all right like don't even be in this so he did his entire screen test where it was just him like reacting to nothing yeah and they thought it was so funny that they're like we gotta get this guy back they thought it was weird and they they were like this was weird and funny and then because one of the other guy that they were trying to get uh to play mcnulty was john c Mm riley and john c riley was like i don't want to move to fucking baltimore like i'm just (laughs) like i just sort of settled down i just bought a house i don't want to move to baltimore for six months or whatever to film this stupid show and then later like dominic west saw john c Riley on a different set and they were talking about it and they're just and they're just like looking at each other and they're like what the fuck were they seeing in this character <laughs> <laughs> they could that these were the two guys that what you had was even this show dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i love, I love that <laughs> Yeah, we're either going to cast Harry Styles or um, <laughs> Ron Howard's weird brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, the, the Herc fucks up a lot of people's lives, but specifically Randy's. Now, Randy is, uh, at this point, his um, foster mother. We don't know if she's dead or not, but she's for sure burned very badly from a, a firebombing that happened earlier because Randy's a snitch. Um and uh, Carver is spending this whole and fucking the cops episode. that were supposed to be guarding him were too stupid. Like someone, someone just painted a criminal they, on a road across the street, and then they yeah. all like ran it, like they all ran yeah. to their car. Right? Yeah, straight up Roadrunner <laughs> style. Like thought that they went going through a tunnel, and then they just fucking threw some Molotov cocktails in that shit. And um, and Carver realizes how bad he is. Fucked this up, and is trying desperately to um get him not to be in a group home because he knows group homes are 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 no good um and uh he spends this whole episode just begging people to not be the you know bureaucrats and to like have a heart it's kind of i feel like this is a version of things that we do all the time now except now it's like you're mm -hmm. usually pleading with software yeah. Uh, and in this, there's like a <laughs> so one, much worse. There's, yeah. yeah, which is so much worse. But in this, he is pleading with with this like wonderful two second depiction of a civil servant, which is like you know an embittered uh, an embittered like substitute school teacher with like weird glasses. Yes, like, like weird glasses and weird like dangly things. Like they just uh, like that two second depiction yes. is the there's perfect way- face of this. Yeah, and I, I've got just uh, all of Carver desperately trying to make up for the fact that he is partially responsible for ruining this kid's list. life. The thing is, this kid has already been in a foster home. Right. And now his foster mother's been hospitalized, so... Is there a supervisor that I can talk to? The list is the list. Some clients have been in group homes for years. He was in group homes for years. Now he's got to go back because... Please don't raise your voice. If you want to raise your voice. You call up the SS right now and ship him out. That's an order. Lieutenant. It's okay. What? You try. You don't need to feel bad. That's probably the most heartbreaking thing, too, is um, the kid just being like, okay, you tried. Let's... Mm-hmm. Let's stop this. You but, clearly feel awful and you're only making me feel worse about this. In like in like three or four words, she somehow evokes every mm. elementary school secretary that wouldn't let you use the phone for whatever reason uh, <laughs> that day. Like <laughs> someone telling you to not yell yeah, in that yeah. scenario. <laughs> yeah. 
makes me want to choke somebody. Like it is, there's something about, I mean, and, and I feel bad, obviously for like anyone who's got that job, like they, they, yeah, they, to have that job, you had to care a lot. Yes. And, and at some point you've become, you have to like become numb to giving a shit because you have to be like, the list is the list. Like <laughs> that is fucking brutal. Um, but you know, uh, Randy doesn't forgive him, but it says, Hey, I've noticed that you've tried. You've been yelling you at a lot of people on the phone. I mean, any other show would have just made him adopt the kid, you know, right. even though that's yes. probably impossible. Yeah. I mean, he tried to, which was, I mean, he asked about it to the civil servant who was just like, no, the screening takes too long. You, no, you yeah. didn't get me able to do that. Sorry. It does kind of make you feel like, well, who's got to know? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't know. There's something about it where it's like, I feel like he could do it. Like, you just take him home and right. not worry about it. <laughs> like, what is the, you know, Child Protective Services going to come in and take? I mean, maybe, but I do feel like they're probably underfunded and understaffed. So they probably wouldn't give a shit. Um, but yeah, that is. Uh, and so, of course, now uh, Randy is in a group home again, and people are still calling him a snitch because snitching, that shit follows you around in the hood. Um, and you know, I think even outside of the hood, like, you know, I, my best friend ever, um, you know, snitched on, uh, me to, uh, my parents told them I was a drug addict. Uh, and then of course I saved my life and I got clean, but that fool is still a snitch to me forever (laughs) that like, I love him. We hang out, uh, you know, he's met my baby. But he is snitch bitch for life. Fuck him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a fan of snitches myself. I'm, I'm just, not a I fan. I won't of even talk to him again. Yeah. No. I'll 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 continue talking to him because because <laughs> I also you know, hate myself. You know what also was weird about the, I'm now I'm like going to a different thing. But yeah, like, yeah. Please. One of the weirdest things about this show, watching it now, is is uh, what's his name? Um, Hector, Jamie Hector, because oh, yeah. like. I watch Bosch. Yeah. And now I can't look I can't look at him as like this mean evil medicine so guy anymore. <laughs> like is... I did before thought he was like the most menacing dude in the world, but now I see him on Bosch and I'm like, "Yeah, hey, he's, he's a nice guy, he's trying to do the right thing." Yeah. I love that. I you know because that's literally the I mean, I I've only I've never seen Bosch. Uh and and I'm I, I'm getting to a point in my life where I think I might become a Bosch guy. You'll love it. It's <laughs> so good. Oh I, God. I, I've heard nothing but good things. Um he seems like a he's a real loose cannon. Oh, he's Bosch. really into jazz too. Oh, I he mean, likes jazz? Yeah. I, <laughs> I love it. I love a detective who's got some depth. He lives in like a $5 million house and he listens to jazz all the time. A, a rich cop who listens to <laughs> jazz? So rich. And That's you know kinda... what? They explained his richness as he did some consulting on some movies because he's an L.A. Mm. cop. I, oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> this is my guy. You'll um, love it. It's great. Oh. But I've, I've only That's got to be somewhere on the list behind chess and mm. punching mirrors 
is uh, <laughs> someone someone who has a job that requires like figuring out complicated things, yeah, and, and that violence. manifests in them liking jazz. Because you know yeah. you got you got Claire from Homeland. Uh, I just yeah. started watching uh, like Cooking with Chemistry with Brie mm-hmm. Larson, and her love interest is like a scientist too. It's really into jazz. Yeah, and they yeah, yeah. you know they talk about how jazz relates to doing science. Don't make it makes you feel life. like. They're, they're like cops don't like listen to jazz because it's not like kind of a fancy boy job but jazz yeah. is kind of a fancy boy music and they're like no actually jazz is one of the tougher music yeah, yeah like yeah. he he actually likes to improvise uh, <laughs> right. and that's what yeah. drives him you know the yeah. only thing it's missing is i only think there's like one or two times where he starts like talking about how jazz is like police work he'd be like listen to coltrane here where he's just like that's kind of like the steady beat of the streets oh this murderer he's thinking different i think he's thinking like a <laughs> but but Jamie Hector in that show is like his partner and he's like really loyal and he's yeah. literally always trying to do the nicest possible thing. I love that. But I, I want to watch it just for that because of yeah. the fact that this character is completely taken over who I think I know Jamie Hector isn't that. I've mm-hmm. only seen him in one other thing where he played a, a detective in We Own the City, the miniseries about how bad the Baltimore PD actually are. And uh, he is playing like kind of a a normal guy. He's not like playing a brutalizing cop or whatnot. He's playing kind of a kind of a good guy he's another he, like strangely shaped human but uh like well, he's, he's got big his eyes are very far apart from yeah, each other and other a family in in he has a family he's just trying to do right by his sons and bosh so, oh hell yes that's why it's so hard for me to watch this now and be like oh he's a badass it's yeah, like he's, no, bad. he's a real badass in bosh because he takes care of his family yeah mm, that's a different mm, kind of badass yeah, 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 <laughs> that's uh, the kind of gangster ice tea is now you know exactly <laughs> yeah i get high on god um <laughs> but yeah uh so uh snitching ruined um randy's life uh and also the system and cops and all that and herc specifically but uh snitching also ends up ruining um uh bodie's life in this episode now bodie didn't actually snitch as far as i can tell although i i don't know what the definition of snitching is because i know it's like obviously you know regular snitching is you tell the cops something like a murder that happened you're, you're telling on someone in this case, he just talks to McNulty um, uh, about how Marlowe sucks, but he doesn't like he's like McNulty is at the point where he's getting ready to turn him into like an informant to try to use him. Um, but he doesn't actually yet snitch. Um, so I don't know. I feel it doesn't matter because he, he gets caught. Well, there's no reason for there's no reason for Marlowe to keep him around. Like he's an, he's just an off brand dude. He's got no muscle. Right. Um, if he is any threat at all, he's gone. Right. Yeah. And he and seems like if you're, if you're Marlowe, he's kind of a pain in the ass too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's always been like, you know, kind of a bitch to him. Like, you know, Marlowe's been a bitch back of course, but like Bodie never wanted to, he was a Barksdale boy through and through. And so he never wanted to work for, Marlowe and it's not really until um little Kevin is taken out of a vacant in a bag that he starts like freaking out and he and and Poot are watching it happen and and Bodie like JD Williams uh I believe that's his name the guy who plays Bodie crushes it in this episode yeah it, it, once again yeah. 
he is such a fucking good and underrated actor. Um, and like he has been, you know, kind of pigeonholed into this like very specific role. He plays this kind of gangster a lot, but like I truly think he could probably play a thousand other things. Yeah, he um, was good. This is the scene that I remember when I think about the wire is is the Bodie stuff in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh I love watching uh Bodie and McNulty sitting um sitting on a bench. And it's fun when they be friends. I like when they're friends. It's nice. All right, here it is. I've been out there since I was 13. I ain't never fucked up a count, never stole off a package, never did some shit that I wasn't told to do. I've been straight up. But what come back? Hmm? You think if I get jammed up on some shit, they'd be like, all right, yeah, Vody been there. Vody hang tough. We got his pay lawyer. We got a bell. They want me to stand with him, right? Where the fuck are they at when they supposed to be standing by us? I mean, when shit goes bad and it's hell to pay, where they at? This game is rigged, man. We like them little bitches on the chessboard. Pawns. Thank, thanks, thanks. Pawns. Thank you, McNulty. Thank you. Thank you. It's just very interesting the way you said pawns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McNulty is always trying to be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> McNulty, when he knows a fact, he will he will say it out loud. Um, but yeah, I just like watching him kind of like realize he's got when he he starts it scene by just saying i feel old and uh and you do realize that like there is a, a point in this game in which if you are still at this level of kind of like you know you run a corner um but you're not any higher up you're not a lieutenant like basically his whole career got fucked up because of the fact that uh avon got put away and stringer died and you know marlo took over so now he's just back as just some off-brand corner boy. It's also it's very it's very relatable to like any corporate job. Hundred percent. Like if you're in a corporate job and uh, your boss leaves and a new boss comes in, and you there goes all your fucking goodwill. Yeah, if you don't immediately like suck that new boss's <laughs> balls off and just yeah. act like you were like the most sycophantic toady that he's ever had, yeah. they are looking for any reason to get rid of you. And uh, yeah, that's you what have to, to have Cody. no dignity and yeah. be able to just like slurpy derpy on those balls and like. You know, uh, Bodie doesn't want to do that because this is the one thing that he has always had is like pride. And, um, you know, pride cometh before the fall, as -hmm. they say Mm -hmm. in the Bible. I mean, like this is just like all of the all of the corner kids, like, you know, the young ones and like Bodie and Poot. It's like the better of a person you are, the worse things are going to go for you because the best of those corner kids were like. Michael, he, he stands tall always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Randy is just like the the uh, entrepreneurial dad's wet dream of what a kid right. should be like. And uh, and they're like, yeah, they, they get fucked. You know who's going to win in this scenario is the little wannabe gangster asshole who's uh, yeah. had everything handed to him and is still a prick. Right. Yeah. And uh and that is how it goes for good old Naaman, who is uh, a wankster. Um, <laughs> I, I think of the school storyline, like the the most fascinating part, and like the the part that like weirdly resonated for me uh, mm-hmm. of these kids 
is um, they're finally taking these standardized tests and um, I forget the kid's name, but uh, like Presbo comes up to him and is like, Hey, are you done already? And he notices the kid hasn't even cracked open the test. And the kid's yeah, like, like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. And I'm thinking back to it. And I'm like, why the fuck did we work so hard on those stupid standardized tests? Like I, yeah. I took those so seriously that like, I, like standardized tests are probably the, probably the only reason that every single teacher and like administrator of my school didn't hate me. Like my whole purpose mm-hmm. of being there was like, I was the kid who was actually good at these, but like, what the fuck did, yeah, that is a very <laughs> like, why did good I take point. that? How did they convince us to take it so seriously? Right. Well, they we didn't got, get me. They, <laughs> 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 I skipped it most of the time. That's great. I mean, I like, mean, I'm probably one of the five kids who actually did get something out of out of it because they, you know, that was the only reason that uh, it was, you know, you know the only it was just that I had to them. I now that I think about it, I remember as a kid, whenever we took those standardized tests, in my mind, I was like. Th- like yeah, I'm gonna the- do really good on this. No, it wasn't that. Uh, oh, I, I knew I was gonna do bad. Like but a fucking idiot. No, there was a. Uh, I knew in my mind that there was like okay, so there's a grade you get in class, but then there's this like government grade that you get. <laughs> yeah, that you don't. They don't even really tell you. It's like some weird number, and then. After doing one of those government tests every year, eventually you take the SAT, the ultimate government test. Mm. And that, in my mind, that's what it meant. But now looking back, clearly I was half right, except for the SAT part. Um, Yeah, I don't know how they convinced us to do that. Especially Somehow they convinced me, like, do this to make all the people you don't like look good. And I fucking fell for it. Yeah. No, it's because of... They told you you'd be like, oh, you mean if I do badly, the school will lose funding and might clothes? Ha! Then yeah. I wouldn't, I would purposely do bad. They make you think that it's going to come up in like job interviews and right. shit. Right. Yes. Is what it is. Most of them don't mean shit. You just know it. Right. But then yeah. that one, it's like, well, the government has it. It goes on a file. My, right. my future boss might see it and not hire me. And Right. I thought this it was like part of your permanent record, which, which is a you concept. you don't even have. <laughs> yeah. Is a concept that I has never repeated since I left grade school. The idea of the permanent record. Yeah. yeah. I was so worried about the permanent record. Dude, I think we all were like, not my permanent record. Yeah. 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 And, and I like remember getting in trouble in school all the time and them trying to but at that time i was just like i don't give a fuck about a permanent record right yeah i think it yeah. makes me look badass that it's yeah, bad on my, my life record. up yeah <laughs> i would love though if there actually was this government permanent record that was like not obviously like your rap sheet for crimes but like yeah. just low level kid shit mm. like uh you know made that kid piss his yeah. pants because you uh were Remember when you told him to pull the hustler out in class? Right, Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, that time that uh, you just learned a bunch of uh, swear words in French and in French mm -hmm. class, you just kept saying them. Uh, I'm like when I so the podcast I did before guys was was uh, leftist, like anarchist type podcast. And I'm and I'm always like, okay, so all of my listeners thought there was a file on them at the (laughs) FBI. And I said, bullshit. Nobody's. You know, there's not. But as I get further away from it, I'm like, 
They probably do have like a list. A hundred percent. I'm probably on some sort yeah. of a list for the 100%. FBI. And they're just glad I'm doing a goof show now. No, like, yeah, oh, we don't no. have to watch him anymore. Yeah. No, the FBI for sure, especially now, it's really easy to make a list uh, on the FBI. You know, they just like, uh, you, we already put our shit out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really easy when you say all your crimes into a microphone right, and yeah. post it online. <laughs> yeah. For 15 years straight. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Bodhi dies. Uh, you know, he, he stands his ground uh, and he, he won't let them put him in a vacant. And he and Poot have this heartbreaking moment where, you know, Poot knows that he is essentially committing suicide here. He's going to die fighting. Um, Michael is the one who shoots him. Um, And uh, side note, Michael in this episode just goes like, this is his like, okay, I'm officially with this gang like they put him up in an apartment they he, they're giving him his own corner with po- points on the package and they're already assigning like hits to him um and we get a little bit of closure on my favorite story arc of the season and that's uh old face andre's ring um uh marlo of course um took it from old face andre and then old face uh then uh marlo got robbed by omar and Omar took the ring and then Omar got robbed by officer Walker uh, and officer Walker took the ring and then Michael uh, pranked officer Walker and took the ring uh, back from him. And uh, so now we have, um, we have this uh, scene in which Marlo sees his ring. Here's a clip. Good to be on your own. Yo, where you get that ring from? Took it from a nigga. Why, you want it? <laughs> nah, nah, you keep it shorty. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Anyways. That was shortly after Dookie uh, like lived out a version of probably a lot of us in middle Me school. Specifically, where you're yes. just like walk, walking around, and you see people that are like full adults, like having sex and shit. Yes. And you're just like, what is what is going on right yeah, now? Yeah, my is- friend is like dealing drugs <laughs> and he's getting his duck dick sucked. Yeah. And he's like they sucking Skittles out of each other's pussy. <laughs> It's it's unfair. There's nothing worse than being a, a little middle school kid and, and people around you are like doing fucky sucky and you're just like, all I want is fucky sucky. <laughs> it's all I want. Um, it's all you want and somehow like you know you it would somehow just like be embarrassing for you even. Uh, I oh, know. I never thought. I was like, no, I'd be good at it too. I've had a lot oh. of practice. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, so Bodhi dies. um, And then this is kind of what uh, gets Jimmy McNulty back. This is how we set up fifth season Jimmy McNulty. He spent this whole season being kind of a bitch. He's like, you know, he's not he's just doing regular ass police work. He's a beat cop. He doesn't want to drink. He's having one drink. He doesn't give a shit. He loves his wife or whatever. And um, he finally it pushes him over the line. And well, he, he also he also discovers that uh, maybe the worst thing that he can do is care about the community. Like his right, yeah, that's he, true. <laughs> yeah. like just the act of him caring about Bodhi uh, is the nail in Bodhi's coffin. Right. Well, especially because of the fact that, like, you know, he he's trying to he's doing the thing where he's trying to help. 
mm-hmm. you know, the thing that everyone keeps thinking, oh, I, the system doesn't need to be fixed. I will individually just do good deeds. And then he ends up, you know, fucking fucking it up just like everyone does. Uh, because the system is the system. And uh, so he is now in kind of vengeance mode and he has to pitch it to Beatty, his uh, his girlfriend this season, who we know from season two. Um, and he does it in the most like, oh, shit, Jimmy is back at, back on his like manipulative, like deviant Irish shit. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in bed with her kissing and kind of just manipulating her feelings like hey i'm thinking i don't know i think i want to think i want to get back into this whole being a drunk womanizing detective thing but without the womanizing and the drunk just the detective part of it and uh you know i mean listen i think my, if i just uh, started having a few beers after work like i think i could handle it now. i think like, i could handle I'm, it I'm now really yeah sure yeah and and very much like you know um, you know, it's just, a oh, my best friend died and I just, I'm really sad about it and I just want to help. And, uh, I, I have a clip of them in bed. I just feel like I owe it now. Fuck, manipulative dickhead. This kid, horny kid. He wanted the bodies in the houses? No, they dropped him in the street. Maybe I'd be different, you know? Different. Yeah, I'm more than drinking in the morning and all that. He is so playing her. I love it. No more drinking in the morning and all that. I'm going to play Jimmy Busballs with the world. Jimmy Busballs. <laughs> <laughs> swear to God, baby, that son of a bitch nearly killed me. Yeah, so we'll see next season uh, how that goes. Well, uh, the good thing is she ends up with Michael Scott and they yeah. move to Arizona. So, <laughs> yes. it, you know, she found a nice guy. She found a nice guy more her speed. Uh, she got out of the, you know, out of the cop business and into the paper business. And that yeah. is a much better business. Um, and, she really is like yeah. the ultimate, um, just like the middle class mom version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah she's so hot though. it's like it, it is wildly like she's wildly hot to me there's just i just think she's one of the most beautiful people in the world um but uh a couple more storylines before we end this. this is again this was a long this was almost an hour and 20 minutes this episode movie. of the wire almost. they really you know they had a lot to wrap up um in terms of omar and prop joe um you know prop joe has to explain to the co-op uh, why all the drugs got stolen and how they all have to pay for it again. Um, and what's worse is Omar, after stealing the entire shipment, um, based on a joke that Butchie makes, is like, you know, it'd be funny if you sold him his drugs back to him. Uh, he actually does it. He sells him his drugs back. Um, and Prop Joe does it. And... Marlo meets the Greek because uh, that's what it would take for Marlo to believe that uh, it wasn't just a plan. Um, yeah, so that's what happens with 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 Omar in this in this episode. It's great. It's just wrapping up what happened last. Yeah, time. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, we got to talk about what happens with Naaman because that is how everything ends. Um. The Naaman storyline is Naaman, he got his ass kicked by Michael last episode and he realizes he's been um, fronting this whole time. His whole life is Cap. 
and um <laughs> he uh he is not the strong gangster he just he just has a foul mouth uh he's a he's a pussy and i guess bunny gets it in his mind that maybe he can sort of low-key adopt namond and in order to do that he has to um meet Weebay and ask him for his son which is just a strange conversation like i don't know mm-hmm. how you yeah can i get your son it goes better yeah, than you I, think um, that would go can i get your son though <laughs> mind <laughs> it, mind you mind giving up your son for me yeah because listen first of all you're not even using him you're in here <laughs> yeah and we base like yeah you know what you make a few good points also yeah. my baby mama she kind of sucks and we she kind of sucks yeah but they have this great conversation that like bunny does it in a in a way that i think is perfect where he's just like listen our generation we were on some weird shit right we were like you know fucking you know you were i was like beating you with a nightstick you were you know killing people and rolling them in carpets um but the kids out here these days are like 10 times the psychopaths that we were and naaman uh is a bitch he is a huge pussy he's a huge pussy and he will die so um the choice is give me your son (laughs) or he will be dead or if you're lucky in here with you and um and I, i don't know he makes a he makes a good argument uh and and i love the way that when he tells Delanda. It's like the first time you see anyone standing up to Delanda. Uh, it, like, I don't know. I just, I fucking love it. Let me, let me, uh, let me play that clip. It is uh, uh, Weebay and Delanda having a conversation. Here we go. Nah, you ain't gonna take my son away from me. Not for Remember this. Who the fuck you talking to right here? Mm. Remember who I am? Yeah. My word is still my word. Mm. In here, in Baltimore, and in any place you can think of calling home, it'll be my word that finds you. Fuck. Yeah. Man, come down here to say my son could be anything he damn please. Except a soldier. Yeah, well, look at me up in here. Who the fuck would want to be that if they could be anything else, Delanda? I, again, I'm sorry, but... That acting, bro, like Hassan, is it Hassan Johnson? Is that his name? I think so, yeah. He's fucking great in this. He's so good. Like, just the the, the way that he is Delanda able. too, being like, oh, yes, Delanda's fantastic. He might still She's kill amazing. me. Right. But, like, his way of, like, kind of, like, going between total, he's like a total psychopath, like, murderer, mass murderer. And just being like, hey, hey, just remember, uh, I've killed and feel nothing. <laughs> and then he's like, but also, I, w- I love the idea of my son writing poetry. Let's <laughs> let him do it. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, and let's be honest, this life, me killing people, rolling them up in rugs, not the greatest life. It's just like that conversation is just so... Uh, perfect and well executed it's like one of the many moments in the show where i'm like god damn this feels like almost like a documentary because the acting's so fucking good and like natural everyone's natural but uh i i love that i love love, big naturals i love big naturals (laughs) you know i love the way they just dump out dump them out fellas (laughs) um 
And uh, yeah, and you know, after we get a montage of uh, of everything, um, you know, that is all the all the things wrapped up in a bow. Some of them uglier than others. Um, we get to see what happens with Naaman, the nepo baby of the season, the one who was already like at least socioeconomically better than everyone else in the you know Fayette mafia crew. Um, he, of course, is the one who has end up be, ends up being saved, and we get to see this like look back into his former life when he is sitting on the porch writing what I assume is poetry, and seeing his old friend Donut. Well, you see, nay, you gonna. What are you gonna say? This is the moment where he fully transitioned from a corner kid to a stoop kid, just like Bunny said. Oh shit! I didn't even put that together. That's exactly right. He's on the stoop. Be late. He's like, nah, that was funny. <laughs> I love that. I love it. His friends are still making him laugh. I mean, yeah. in a nutshell, that's like a uh, that's a master class in how you do the more things change, the more things stay the same ending. Yeah. Cause yeah. you got you got a small arc, uh Naamond, like I said, transition from a corner kid to a stoop kid, but 100%. uh you know, donuts still out there stealing cars and running stoplights and uh yeah. the game the game is still the game. The game is still the game. Um yeah, and it's lovely. And as much as it's like unfair, I guess, for things to go good for him, uh they would have eventually went bad for him, so I'm kind of glad right. somebody got out, you know? Um yeah. I think the only thing that we've missed um, in terms of talking about this episode is um, Carchetti. Uh, Carchetti has a choice. Take the money. Don't take the money. And he takes he decides not to take the money. And Norman. But he turned into a pussy, too. He yeah. turned into a pussy. Yeah, he did the thing. He disappointed <laughs> the thing every politician does. Uh Although there's this, okay, so he's talking to his to his devil and his angel, and he's just like, you know, um, the DNC white guys, like, don't take the money, you know, uh, you, you kids know, you don't can, vote, yeah, kids don't vote, you know, and then like uh, Norman is like, take the money, you're the mayor, <laughs> and the school needs the money. <laughs> um, he says something along the lines of. Um, well, here, let, let me just play a little bit of, of this clip, um, and then we can just discuss it real, real quick. Um, it knocks the school deficit right off the front pages. There's your silver lining right there. Those bodies are on Royce. School deficit should be, too. Should be, but that's a problem that's going to play out in the next fiscal year. By then, you're out of Teflon. So, uh... I take the governor's money, and then two years from now, when I shake the hand of any voter in the D.C. suburbs, they say, all right, you're the guy... Needed my tax dollars to bail out your school system. So here's my question. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm old now and a voter. Um, and I don't, I can't imagine being mad at a candidate who was like, he needed a bailout to fund the schools. Is that? Well, 
I, I don't I can't imagine myself knowing that he got yes. the bailout too. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, even just knowing it. Like the, yeah. the they're assuming a, a level of knowledgeability on the part of the electorate that uh, I don't know that it existed then, but it definitely Definitely doesn't, doesn't exist now. No, no, no. None of us know anything about where any of the money goes. Right. Yeah. Occasionally you hear something about like a bankrupt something and I go like you know, I'll hear like Chuck E. Cheese is bankrupt, but I'm like, I don't know. I still take my kid there. Like the level yeah. of political discourse. I drive by uh, like a sign all the time on like, I think it's on like the 99 where it has like a picture of Nancy the Congress. Pelosi no, calls well, the dust bowl. Well, there's that, that. That's that's an old school one. But then there's like another one that it says like so-and-so voted to raise your gas prices. And it's like, that is the level of You're discourse like, like someone imagining like there's a vote in congress like would you like to raise uh yeah. joe truck drivers fucking uh, <laughs> gas prices like yes, yes. punish them as, as for a Democrat, i like yeah high <laughs> gas price right like, what right. the fuck yeah yeah yes. high gas prices are fucking fun okay they cost yeah. more nice stuff is expensive sorry yeah and as and, a global I, homo i yeah. prefer high gas <laughs> As a global home. Uh, but yeah, fucking uh, just the idea of like, you know, this like suburb, uh, Maryland suburb voter is never going to vote for me. I'll lose the suburbs if I take a bailout from the governor. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't imagine. Maybe I just don't it, like because I don't own a home. Like, I don't understand. But the type of person who is not going to vote for someone because they took money to bail out their school system like that person's just never gonna vote for public schools anyway no. yeah yeah there's no way right He's that like, person's already like a weirdo psychopath they so. would vote to end school if they could right they yeah. would vote to put kids in mines working you know <laughs> like these guys are 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 like already psychos so i mean how many of them are our vote i guess a lot but it's a, a lot it, of it is a great psycho. democrat mindset where it's like oh man i can't just hand this guy yes. a three-word insult on a silver platter right. it's like you know if you don't hand them this one they're just gonna say it they're anyway just, right and they'll say it anyway and they'll come up with more of them yeah you know like yeah you're 100 right and also the idea of like you know the way change works is um I have to throw everyone under the bus for the entirety of my career until I reach the point at which I can do change. And yeah, then once yeah. they get to that point, they don't do shit. No, it's effective altruism. That's perfect. Yeah. Anyways, um, pretty great. McNulty. I like that he asks his wife and his wife is like, I'm not, I'm not co-signing your bullshit. Yeah. Right now. His wife said, I believe you'll do the right thing. I, I, <laughs> yeah. my, my thing is, I think she's just like, you know, in her mind, she's just like, I know you're going to make some, you're going to do like something evil. Yeah. That's what <laughs> yeah, all politicians wife have to like yes. actually think. It's like, oh, you'll do the right evil thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. You're just gonna do the less evil. I hear about it, the more I can enjoy our comfortable life. Right. Right. Yeah. Like the, if I just don't know what evil thing you're doing and just assume whatever decision you're making is the right one, then we can safely share a home together. Yes. Um, but yeah. That is the episode. Uh, favorite scene, least favorite scene, something I missed. Vince? Um, I think there's, it's a very TV shot, but just like that shot of McNulty, like lounging uh, on the, like lounging on the cement pillar, waiting for Bodhi to come out. I don't know why that shot sticks with me. That's but stuck it's, with you? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, 
Brian, is there something we missed or so, uh, something that's your favorite? I just love the Bodhi stuff in this episode. Yeah. It's probably my favorite part of the whole series. So I was yeah. kind of glad I got to watch the episode with my uh, favorite part of the whole series. Hell but yeah. then if I watched a different episode, I'd have been like, that was my favorite part of the whole series. <laughs> yeah, right. You've got I mean, I'm forgetting death- whatever the next funny or last funny <laughs> good thing was. Yeah. The death scene was amazing because it was... Uh, like I feel like that is just doing violence. Like it, the violence was violent, um, but it like it wasn't gory in a way that you felt no. like they were taking yeah. glee in the gore. I'm sure they were, you know, because that's the nature of making TV. But like, you know, they made it. They made it land, and it was so unromantic and uh, uh, just yeah. chef's chef's kiss to that death scene. It was very good, and I think that the only thing it was missing was a parody song of Bad Day mm-hmm. um, behind it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that I got to give our viewers and listeners that. Um, the only thing I'll mention um, is I love that uh, Cuddy has a small arc in this episode in which a nurse thinks he is a gangster. Then the nurse uh, treats him like shit. Then the nurse asks Bunny, what are you going to do about that gangster? And then Bunny says, no, that guy uh, runs a school, l- runs a boxing program for kids. And then cut to ending montage. He is fucking that nurse. Uh, <laughs> and I just love like Cuddy is just an effortless pimp and uh you know even his haters want to fuck um (laughs) which you know people say about me a Mm lot yeah they do say that if i had to give this episode a letter grade and i do it's the law um you know what i would give this episode a b plus vince what would you give this episode if you had to give it a letter grade? yes it's uh it's a solid b plus by contractual obligation oh shit that's crazy and uh (laughs) mr murder um if you had to give this episode a letter grade what would you give it i give it a b plus would have been an a but not enough murder not enough murder Murder, brian yeah murder brian needs more murder so it's a solid b plus episode of the wire and a solid a plus 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 episode of pod yourself the wire thank you mr murder brian for coming on the show and talking about the wire with us thank you for having me come on the show and talk about the wire hell yeah where can people find you murder x brian on all of the uh social media stuff and it's guys a podcast about guys and uh vince is on next week actually i don't know when this comes out but mcu guys comes out this week and it is a very funny episode one one of my favorite recent ones these are both podcasts about mcu guys we didn't yeah crimes unit and the other one is uh marvel Marvel cinematic universe well that this is less pathetic than the the (laughs) mcu guys we looked at Yeah, no, the major crimes unit guys are pretty sick. Um, so check out guys. It's a wonderful podcast. And Brian, thank you once again for coming on the show. Love to thank you for you. having me. Fuck yeah. Wires. The wires. Patreon.com slash broadcast. The eight dollar tier gets you a shout out and a street name. Turtle power. Uh, we have <laughs> These are um, the last few that we have. Uh, these are the most recent. So if you, again, haven't heard your name, we're very sorry. Email us. Patreon.com. Wait, no. Uh, gmail.com. Email us. Tell us. And we're sorry. And we'll hear your name next season. But here we go. First is Christopher Reese. I think that's Rychek. Rychek. 
Or at least that's what the basis of my nickname is that it's going to be pronounced Rychek. Okay. I'm going to call this guy Bung Sipper because he's, he's doing a rye check. He's going through. He's checking the rye. He's making oh. sure that it's aged right. He's the Bung, bung Sipper. That's I love little, it. It's a little thing. I think that's what it's called. It's is that a bourbon joke? Yeah. The, the, the hole in the bottom of the barrel is a bung, and then you put this little dropper, this little tester that's in there. That's where bung hole comes from? Yes, it is. It's an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Look at that. We learn something new every day. Um, Sean O'Rourke. <laughs> O'Dork. All right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, listen. He's probably gotten it his whole life. Yep. Let's give him another year of it. Um, next is Zane Meyer. Zoltan. I like it. I, I don't like know why. It. it starts with Z, just, you know? And you I don't know. It feels like Zoltan. Yep, yep, yep. Um, next, Trey Sloan. Trey Sloan. Mm-hmm. Mm, what a name. Uh, yeah, uh, we call this guy Curry because he loves everybody. Lo- he loves the tray, you know. Oh, um, okay. okay. Yeah, he the tray. You, you get the connection. Don't I don't, know. but I don't know what, if, if any enough about Curry to know what a tray is. Steph Curry, he likes to shoot the three pointers. Oh, the three. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant like a you know a curry, an Indian food. No, thing. no, no. But I could see how you think that. Yeah. Um, uh, three more. Uh, Christopher Clark. Mm, Chris Clark. Mark, more like crisscross. Call this guy the Mac Daddy, or Mac the Daddy, <laughs> or the Daddy Mac. Could be one of them. Yeah, well, they're crisscross, so we'll call him uh, Mac Daddy, Daddy Mac. Um, and Michael Burgess. Mm, House of Burgesses. He's a barrister. We call this guy. Uh-huh. Call this guy Powder because he's got the wig. The, yeah, the barristers. You got it. You That's it. a badass name. Uh, last but not least, Nick. Venace. Venace. That sounds like a nasal spray, doesn't it? Venace. Yeah, it does. Um, what's a good nickname for some guy who sounds like a nasal spray? We call this guy, call this guy Squirt. Squirt, Squirt. Squirt, Squirt. Mm-hmm. Great name. <laughs> that is beautiful. And those are your uh, final season four street names of this season. Um, again, you haven't heard your name. We're very sorry. Sometimes things get lost between the cracks. Email us at broadcast at gmail.com for all your all questions. Ow, ow, ow. For all your questions, comments, and concerns, broadcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash broadcast for this and bonus episodes, which but this is the last one of the season, so there's going to be a bit of a break between seasons, which we means you. I got some bonus episode ideas, that, oh, you know, that's, we, that hopefully the, we'll be able to come through on. We'll see. We, we will definitely be able to come through on them, uh, you know, uh, we. so you should sign up right now, patreon.com slash broadcast, because there's this is gonna be this is gonna be the in between seasons to remember because we got so much great stuff. I'm really building it up. Uh, Vince, what is the Google Voice number? Four one five two seven five zero zero three zero. All righty, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening. And until next season, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Where is the love? He kicked the cop car, yeah, he don't give a fuck. Boots says, be careful what you say. He said that his friends have gone away. He missed.
Did it, bitch. Sucky fuck.